0: obstacles. Now, if you missed the first week, we, we talked about the, the obstacle of dysfunction. And, and some of you thought I knew your family, but I don't know your family. And, and most of us, though, like know dysfunction. You, you know it either at school or, or at work, maybe. Maybe that's, maybe work is that horrible thing you dread because there's just craziness. Uh, or maybe maybe you live in it. Uh, what we're doing is there are obstacles that are good obstacles, okay, Like getting that degree, you know, achieving certain things. But there are also obstacles in your life that are not your choice. They are just there waiting for you, waiting to do damage. And so we as a church, whole church, everybody, all of us, are pressing into those kinds of obstacles. The obstacles that perhaps, and I know this might seem extreme and intense at the very beginning, but the obstacles that the devil may be putting in front of you. likely that he is, where he's trying to trip you, trying to hurt you, and all of us would say, you know, that's bad, and and we teach our kids and raise our kids, right, or or grandkids, and we're like, hey, beware of certain things, and you won't even let your kids do certain things, but as adults, we still have those obstacles that get thrown in front of us, so we've been talking about them, and the dysfunction may not be what you chose So I want to show you the verse where this basically comes from. It's kind of like the core of the whole series. Uh, The thief comes only to steal, yay, and kill and destroy. So there's the thief, the devil, is out to get you, out to hurt you. He's going after you hardcore. The thief comes only to steal from you, kill you, destroy you, and everything around you. I, talking about Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So if you're interested in the full life, if you're interested like, I would like part two, please, David, give me some of that. If you want that second part where Jesus talks and says, I've come to give you life, if you want that, you have got to conquer the obstacles in your life. If you refuse this, can we have a grown up conversation here, I'm in charge right now. If, if you refuse this, if you choose that the obstacles in your life are things that you can't conquer, you're forfeiting, you're literally forfeiting the full life, which I don't think is something that you want. So we're really gonna go at this in a pretty intense way now, but we'll have fun, oh, okay? Okay, here we go, obstacle of temptation, yay. Now, now I know some of you are like, does he have cupcakes this time? No, I don't, I don't. That was way too tempting for me. Obstacle of temptation. The obstacle of temptation where, where on a daily basis, if you're open about this, you and I are tempted by stuff. Maybe it is cupcakes. Or maybe you're tempted to say something you're not supposed to say. Or to do something you're not supposed to do. Or maybe you're tempted to do nothing when you should do something. Something. And so I know in this world of temptation that we might not fully be aware of what the Bible says about temptation. And the Bible actually, in great detail, says, here's what temptation is. Here's what it looks like. So I'll show it to you if you're not familiar with this part of the Bible. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So just for fun, do not share this. This is not like, hey, you're about to tell someone next to you what you were dragged away and enticed to do, okay. But but I want you to think about what, what have you been dragged away and enticed to do? And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to a sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now some of us are like, actually David, that's not true. And you're thinking, I've given in to temptation, and I have sinned, and I am still alive. This is not referring specifically and only to this physical death. It's talking about your soul. It's, it's talking about something far deeper than just your everyday, am I breathing or not? Now, now when I read this, some of us are like... You kind of lost me when we started about like conceiving and giving birth and I don't see when you read the Bible you may read it better than I do but when I read it I'm sometimes like I don't relate to that. So I'm thinking what does temptation actually look like? And to give you context, I grew up half my life in Kansas and half my life in Indiana. There are consistent things about both places if you've never been there. They both have bugs, <laughs> bugs that fly around you and annoy you. So if you've ever lived in Kansas or in Indiana, you have one of these glorious things. Now, now, if you're not familiar with this, I mean, I know in South Dakota, we, we, we have, a, I mean, a few bugs, but they don't really do a lot of damage. And, and so we have these. This is standard. When you're born, the hospital gives you one of these. I'm, I'm sarcastic. So uh, if you've never seen such a thing, I, I need to explain this to you because this, this, this is the pathway to sanity. If you live in a place where there are lots of bugs, some of you grew up around humidity and you understand exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't have these and you try to sit outside, you, maybe maybe three minutes uh, is what you got. So, so here's how these work. If you don't, they're, they're wonderful and they're fun to watch. If you're not an animal or a bug lover, so, so here's how this works. In in the inside, you see you see the light. That the light is just a light. Some of you are like is that the secret sauce? No, well, it it doesn't really do much. Um, you you might be able to get a tan by it. So, but but the light is there to to trick, entice, to lure in the bugs. That's the whole objective. There is is to get them looking at it going. Mm, I want some of that light. Uh, I got all nerdy and scientific about this. It appears as though a lot of bugs think that's a flower. We won't tell them any different. Uh, so they are drawn to this. It's, again, in South Dakota, you see this a little bit. You, you turn on your front porch light during the summer, and it's like a call sign to every bug within a mile radius. And, and that's what this works And So if you don't know much about this, just outside of that wonderful light is an electrified piece of metal. And so... So if you don't know how this works, the graphic part is the bug's like, mmm, come on, let's go have dinner. And they fly right at that, but they don't quite make it to the light. They are electrified and there is a beautiful sound. <laughs> beautiful. And I thought about bringing a jar full of bugs, but I, I thought that might be a little too intense for some of us. But, but there's this, this, this zapping sound, and you're sitting there going, that's my money at work, this is good. And, and in theory, it's supposed to keep things away. And I, what I, find, I, know, I know when I read the Bible as a pastor, I'm supposed to say, yeah, that is just wonderful about conceiving and giving birth. This is what I see in my brain. When it talks, this is temptation, where the devil lights something up for you and I. Like, whatever it is, a lot of us are tempted by a lot of similar things and different things. We just have these temptations. The devil lights it up and then sits on his lawn chair And he just does his best, he's been watching you, and I don't mean to be all morbid about this, but he's been watching you, and he sees some things that he thinks might catch your eye, and what he won't tell you, ever, is that between what you want and where you are, there is an electrified fence awaiting you. And when you give in to this desire, there's death on the way for your soul. mind. A lot of us just give up on life because we give in so much. And for me, when I read that verse about what happens when you're enticed and dragged away, maybe this makes more sense to us. And some of you are going, that's my life. And many of us all day long, all week long, all month, long, all year, long fact, you might say your whole life, you might think the devil has specifically isolated you with greater temptations. You're like, David, he has a much larger one for me. And many of us think that we're the only one being tempted in certain ways. And I would say the Bible's actually clear on this. The Bible opens up what goes on And there's something for us to learn. Let me show this to you. Again, it's in the Bible. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So for those of you who have been using this as an excuse, deal with that. Because now we go, like, wait a minute, we're all on the same, like, playing field here? Yep. And God is faithful. Don't ever forget that. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Again, I'm ruining some of your excuses. <laughs> some of us look at temptation like, well, I had to give in to it. Well, according to God's position, which I'd listen to Him, He says, no. He loves you so much. He is so faithful that He's intervened in this whole temptation, this whole obstacle of temptation. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. See, that just explained for us a lot of things. Oh, he'll show you a way out. And now we're going, I remember that. <laughs> it's when you did have that moment. Uh, some of you call it your conscience. Uh, when you have that moment that God reveals, hey, you can get out of this. You can walk away from this. But do you notice what he doesn't do? He doesn't forcefully grab you because there's this whole thing called free will. If you've ever studied the story of Adam and Eve, you're like, why didn't he stop them? Because he loved them. He loved them enough to let them make choices whether it hurt them or not. See, love is not imprisoning people. Are we clear on that? It's not. And this verse helps you and I maybe get some of our excuses out, but let me, if you missed it, let me explain better what this verse says. Temptation is common, not complicated. And some of us, this whole obstacle of temptation, we think it's complicated. And it's very clear on this. uh, What you're being tempted by, other people are tempted by it. Stop arguing in your head that. Here's what will even mess with you more. Whatever your current temptation is, someone else has beaten that same temptation. According to the Bible, someone else has already defeated it. So it's telling you and I that that we can actually do this. But unfortunately, many of us have just said, come on into my life, temptations. I got a strong will. (laughs) No, you don't. And so, let me show you this. Temptations don't have to become choices you regret. See, you got to know this. If you're going to conquer it, Stop surrendering to it. I mean, can, can you imagine? That? Some of us have done this. You've ever been on an obstacle course, and you look at the obstacle, you're like, "Oh no," <laughs> and, and you just give up before you even try it. That's what some of us are doing with temptation. We're like, you know, everyone gives into that, David. So I'm just, I'm just going to give into it. I think most of us can say that word regret is something you and I need to deal with. See, temptations don't have to become choices you regret. If you have regrets in your life, what if? What if you could backtrack and look at some of the choices that you made in your life and not make them? Now, I know there's a, there's a school of thought, David, I don't have any regrets. You know, they're just lessons learned. <clears throat> Got to guard myself on what I say here. Uh I think there are stupid things that you and I do. And if you and I are honest and mature enough and open enough, if you got the choice to not do that in high school, you'd be like, sign me up, can I do that? Where's the time machine? See, temptations, the ones you gave into, are they not the source of so many of our regrets? If you don't know, the Bible helps us understand to where you and I are not going, I want the light. I'm going for the light. Let's go for the light. What if, what if we were to defeat this? And so like I told you at the beginning of this series, but if you missed it, I want to continue to unfold the story of one of my heroes. One of my heroes, man, he went through dysfunction, as I well illustrated, uh, and he went through temptation. And I thought this was so pertinent for you and I because a lot of times when we talk about temptation, we talk about how everyone else is imperfect. So we think, well, then other people messed up, so I'm just going to do it. I'm going to show you a guy who did not give in. And this is awesome. Let me show it to you. Joseph. Now, to give you, just in case you missed it, he comes from a dysfunctional family. Yay. Part of the dysfunction was they decided to sell him off into slavery. You're like, you need to go read that. So he is now sold off as a slave and ends up, now Joseph had been a, taken down to Egypt. So he's a slave. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Now to give you some context with Potiphar, just let's that's, that's go into American history. Potiphar was the equivalent of the guy in charge of the secret service. So not only is Potiphar someone who we might call well-informed. He was also well-connected. He was a big dude in charge and was very, very, very powerful. And Joseph was now one of his slaves, was now one of the guys that worked for him. But what was cool about Joseph, Joseph, even though he sold off into slavery, does not quit. Perhaps that's what God wants you to hear today. Because he was in a bad circumstance, come on, I don't know how many of us have been sold off into slavery. I imagine most of us have not, but that is a bad circumstance. He finds himself in that circumstance and doesn't give up. In fact, he works his tail off and becomes a major leader in the house. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. Listen to that. Let that Bible verse means something to you. He's in a horrible situation and doesn't give up, doesn't say, well, God must hate me. So it doesn't matter what I do with the rest of my life. He's a slave and still keeps trucking. This is awesome. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was a well-built dude and handsome. Some of you don't go too far with that. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Now, in the original language, come to bed with no, I'm just kidding. You, you get that. <laughs> Do I need to explain? No. So we understand the temptation. But he refused. But he refused. Some of us wish we had. Whatever your temptation is, he refused. Even though he's in a situation that he doesn't want to be in, even though he is gone from his family, even though the presence of God does not seem close to him, he's tempted and he refuses. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. I love how he's explaining to her, mm, you need to watch what you're saying. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? See, you may have just missed it. If you want to conquer temptation in your life, if you have any interest, we're like, David, I want something, but I know that I need to resist it. What do I do? Joseph just gave it to us. To conquer temptation? Call it what it is. And if this seems so simple, I would argue this is what is destroying the world right now. This is taking us to a place that we do not actually want to be. To conquer temptation, call it what it is. And if you're like, what did he call it? Genesis 39.9 said it. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin? Call it what it is. Some of us in the midst of temptation, you know what we're doing, you know where I'm going with this. That's not so bad. I mean, Times have changed. We live in a different era. (laughs) The Bible's outdated. And we begin to walk ourselves down a road where we don't call it anymore. It's something different. In fact, nowadays, it's not gossip. It's just genuine concern for the other person. It's just between you and I. Again and again and other people. (laughs) See, we're just changing the, the definition of gossip. Let's go more painful, an affair. The amount of times that I've heard, it was just a cry, because I I was in a bad marriage, David. My spouse is mean, and so I had to. We begin to twist stuff, and perhaps you've worked around this, or lived around this, or experienced it, where where we take what the Bible is clear on, and without, horrible intentions, we redefine stuff, change the meaning of things, justify it away. And perhaps the most significant way to conquer a temptation is to be honest that it's a temptation. Is to actually admit it out loud, at least to yourself, hey, what I want to do does not honor God. It does not honor my spouse. It does not honor my friends, my teacher, my, my coworkers. Whatever situation that you're in and that you're tempted, maybe it doesn't honor yourself. Many of us have stopped calling it what it is. Now, here's the continual breakdown. To call it what it is, um, you have to know what it is. I know you're like, you, again, you spent all week on that, David? Like that. No. Read it for what it is. To be able to call something what it is, you got to know what it is. The unfortunate part is the mass majority of Christians don't even read their Bible and they wait for me. (laughs) And what I'm telling you, if you want to know what sin is, if you want to know, which direction to not go in your marriage or to not go in parenting or to not go with money? or If you want to know how not to treat people, do you, do you know that the Bible is full of truth? This has gotten so bad, I think, so bad. In, the, in this world of, of just changing the meaning of stuff and redefining stuff, there was a woman that I believe spoke something. In fact, I found it. Just she posted it on the internet. I, with all my heart, I know this will seem extreme, but with all my heart, believe God gave it to her as prophecy, as words from God himself to share with the whole world. Her name's Beth Moore. Here's what she said. She's speaking to a bunch of uh, 20-year-olds. You will watch a generation of Christians, of Christians, set the Bible aside in an attempt to become more like Jesus. And stunningly, it will sound completely plausible. This will be perhaps the cleverest of all the devil schemes in your generation. Sacrifice truth for love's sake. See, now you're, oh no, many of us have done this. And you will rise or fall based upon whether you will sacrifice one for the other. And then she landed it. Will you have the courage to live in the tension of both truth and love? The Bible says it where there's truth and grace. The problem with everyday culture, we're like, give me some of that grace, (laughs) And we want grace. We offer grace because we genuinely care about people. In fact, I would tell you, the upcoming youngest generation loves people perhaps better than any other generation. There's a true, genuine care to have an impact in the lives of other people. The problem is, like most of life, we're cutting a certain important part out. It's called truth. And so many of us are walking down destructive lives not knowing it, trying to love people because we generally care, disregarding truth. In fact, I would tell you, there is not more people today giving in to temptation. Don't don't think like, yeah, there's just so many more people nowadays giving in to temptation. No, 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 no. There's a lot of people nowadays redefining what temptation is. That's our problem. Now, some of them I know when I say this stuff, but that Bible is just a stinking rule book. It's outdated. Then it's not been taught to you correctly. The Bible isn't a rule book. It's a relationship book. God did not make sure that you and I would have a Bible so that we knew all the rules. (laughs) And so that he would then send lightning down if we broke too many of them. That was not the intention of him inspiring and saying you've got to have this book this living book this amazing book it's a relationship book that's why jesus summed up the book you want commandments two of them all right love other people and love god it's a relationship book it's how to have healthy relationships and an unhealthy relationship listen to me very closely An unhealthy relationship is when you remove truth. You can't just give someone love because then you enable something that could be destructive to them. Perhaps you're giving in to temptation because you refuse to call it what it is. To know what it is, you're going to have to start reading your Bible. The story keeps going because there's something else for us to learn. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, some of us are like, if the temptation, can, can we just have a break, right? Day after day, she's going, come on, man. Come on. He refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. If you don't know the, the, how this is flowing, it starts off with like, no. She doesn't listen well. So now he's avoiding her, which is just funny to me. So one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak. And she got a bit more forceful here and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. I I don't know if you're envisioning this. The temptation has intensified so much that he's decided to run. And I know that you're wanting me, if you don't know this story, you're like, all right, so like do angels come down right now and pretty much just like make everything awesome? No. In fact, it, it gets bad. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. And she told him this story, totally mixed it up. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. As soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. His master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger, totally buys the lie. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now let me give you some context here. He was put into prison. For that kind of a crime, you need to know how long his sentence was for life. Anytime you went to where the king's prisoners were, you are never coming out. To give you more context, based on when we know Joseph was sold off into slavery and then we know a future part of his life that we'll preach on later, he was in that house for about 11 years. If you've ever resisted temptation for a good amount of 11 years, you understand the intensity it has. So do not think that this was just an easy one-moment thing for Joseph knowing it was gonna get put in the Bible so that Fountain Springs Church would hear this story and be like, of course he did it because he knew we were watching. No. Day after day after day after day, the temptation was in front of him as a single guy who could have had the excuse, well, if I say, no to her, I'm going to prison. But he keeps saying no. So I told you first, to conquer temptation, you got to call it what it is. But that's not the only thing you have to do. To conquer temptation, get out. Do you remember that whole verse at the beginning where God makes a way out, but he doesn't force you through it? See, that's your choice and my choice, is you actually have to make the choice to get out, sometimes run. Let me, let me help you understand the full intensity of temptation. It brings you to a simple yet profound decision. Indulge or resist. You cannot do anything else other than this. You either indulge or you resist it. See, I knew that a sermon on dysfunction would be fun for some of us because it would be like, I'm going to go fix some stuff. But on temptation, on the stuff that you don't let other people know about, on the stuff that's in your brain right now that you haven't acted on, that temptation, that maybe it's things that you've seen that you're considering that you're processing. Maybe it's something that you have indulged in and you haven't gotten caught yet, all that. See, this is intense. But church, please listen. I love you. But better than that, God loves you. And he doesn't want you to pour into your own life Regrets. Do we not live in enough of a broken world that we don't get to make all the choices that lead to regrets? But how about the ones that we actually do make? Let's lower the amount of regrets. But I know how this works with human nature because I've been there. I've known the right choice and not done it. Maybe you relate to that. (laughs) You need to know what happens with temptation, I'll show it to you. Temptation never reveals its goal. It is to destroy you. You might have what you think is a great reason to indulge. Maybe you are married to an emotionalist person who does not love you like they should. Maybe you have a bad teacher who doesn't adequately communicate information. And so the way you think to get a good grade is to cheat a little bit. Maybe you don't get paid what you deserve to get paid. So why not take certain things from work or not work as hard? You need to know this, whenever you are tempted, whenever that obstacle is put in front of you by the devil himself, the goal is to destroy you. And it may not destroy you at first bite, but it will get you. So let me point this whole entire sermon at you, as I've already pointed it at myself. What is your current temptation? Do not say this hello. if you're going to conquer it you must be willing to name it and so in your own head right now what is your current temptation that you must conquer and you know that's probably a normal question for a pastor to ask So let me take it one step further. What is your current plan? What's your plan with it? See, I've gotta do things in my life. I have to make plans to fight temptation. I don't want to, but I'm trying to eat healthier. It sucks. (laughs) And to not drink pop Guess who had to stop putting pop in his house? And potato chips and a lot of other things. So you get it with health, don't you? If you don't wanna eat it, don't buy it. (laughs) So walk it further into your life. If you don't want it to destroy you, what's your plan? I even have plans for things that aren't current temptations because I'm weird. I don't want the devil to put a very common temptation in front of me. And so I know that a lot of people give in to a lot of things that are initiated on the internet. And so my wife and my assistant have every login and every password that I have at any time that they want without ever even telling me, they can go in and check what I've been doing on the internet. Because I don't wanna give into that, because do you understand the regrets that come from that? The conversations that if I give into that, that I have to have with my kids someday and my wife someday and even you. What is your current plan? And if you're like, I don't have one. (laughs) Well, I'll give you step one, Jesus gave it to us. You might remember this. (laughs) That whole prayer, they're like, hey, how do we pray? He's like, well, part of it wasn't lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, step one is to have a conversation with God. Say, God, deliver me from this. And connect that to what I read to you earlier. He's promised to deliver you, to give you a way out. So, I think it's imperative, necessary, perhaps critical to the well being of the families represented and the workplaces and the schools and the friendships. I think it's imperative that we go to God now and simply cry out to Him and say, God, will you deliver us from this? So, if you would please, just to free yourself up from distraction, bow your heads and close your eyes. And I think an amazing conversation to have with God right now would be, God, deliver me from, and then you name it, just silently, privately, you name it. I'll leave you alone. You have that conversation with God and you pray that prayer that I think Jesus helped us with. God, on behalf of my family here, I pray on their behalf, on my behalf, even on behalf of of anyone who is just listening in, however they're listening in, God, deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from these nasty, destructive temptations. God, I pray for everyone who's single, married, the students, the the people who are in work environments where just there's temptation, the private times, the public times. God, deliver us from evil. God, I pray for us as individuals, as a country, as a world, as Christians. God, deliver us from the evil one. God, I pray for us as leaders, As kids, deliver us from the evil one. And give us the power and courage to call evil evil and to get out. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.